One of the most talked about films out of this year's Sundance Film Festival was Eighth Grade. Directed and written by Bo Burnham, it tells the story of the last week of middle school seen through the eyes of one very nervous teenage girl. Kayla Day, played by Elsie Fisher, gives pep talks on YouTube and yearns for friends she can talk to. But she's very shy, and even her very loving single dad can't always reach her. I'm Stephen Thompson. And I'm Linda Holmes. We're talking about breakout festival favorite eighth grade on this episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour. Here with me and Stephen in the studio is Glenn Weldon of NPR's Arts Desk. Hey, Glenn. Hey, Linda. And in our fourth chair now on staff over at the New York Times, our friend Aisha Harris. Hi, Aisha. Hello, Linda. Thank you for coming to us from the prestigious studios of the New York Times. (laughs) Thank you for having me. We're always excited to talk to you. So the reason why I'm going to go to Stephen first is that, uh, Stephen, you have a daughter who is almost exactly this age. Uh, and you watched it with her. Is that right? I did. And she found it very effective. We we both kind of sat together. Of course, I teared up at a couple points. She didn't. Uh-huh, uh, sure. that, is, that is par for the course. <laughs> you know, she kind of came out of it like, well, she's more basic than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but, but otherwise, like me, was really drawn into seeing a character on screen that you don't necessarily see on screen. A certain kind of awkward middle schoolness that yeah. that is just very truthful. I was so struck by how empathetic a piece of filmmaking this is. Uh, Bo Burnham, who I knew as a as a comic actor, mm-hmm. um, 27 years old, uh, background as a YouTuber, is not necessarily who I would think of at first to really be able to tell the story of an awkward middle school girl. Mm -hmm. But he so clearly did his homework. The writing is very, very naturalistic. And apparently he like painstakingly scripted out every um and like. Yeah. And got it, I think, to perfection. I loved this movie. Yeah. Aisha, what did you think uh, of eighth grade? I have to agree with that sentiment. I remember being an eighth grader very, very well, and it was probably one of the worst times of my life. Yeah. Uh, actually, I would probably put it as like six through eighth grade period was like pretty traumatizing yeah. for several reasons. And one thing I've in my work, I've always talked about this idea that like representation matters and often who tells the story matters. And I prefer always to to see, you know, a person, especially if it's a story centered around a woman or a woman of color or any other sort of marginalized group, for that story to be told by someone who is part of that group as well. But I don't hold to that in every case. And I think this is a really good example of a piece of work where like Stephen said, like I think that he really did his homework. This is the way that you do a work if you're going to write about someone who is not at your own experience. Yeah. And I thought it was just really, really well done. And I, I, I also loved it. Yeah. And I think that if you're going to do a piece like this that is about an experience that you haven't had, first of all, you have to do a ton of homework, as we've talked about. I think the purpose has to be to empathetically see the world through this person's eyes rather than explain to other people who are like you how to think about somebody like this. And I don't think the purpose of this film is to explain to other people, here's how to think about girls this age. It's so focused on her. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that I thought was so effective about it. Very often when you see a film like this, there will be 
one best friend mm-hmm. who she will open up to and share her feelings with. And even though she makes these YouTube videos, which on the one hand are very much about what she's thinking about, but on the other hand, don't really say what she's thinking. Right. You don't get that thing where she you learn her feelings by having her explain all of them to you. Mm-hmm. You learn her feelings by seeing how she interacts with the world. What did you think, Glenn? I watched this thing uh, through my fingers uh, <laughs> because, I mean, l- full disclosure, the only high school films I've ever liked are Heather's and Welcome to the Dollhouse. Because clearly <laughs> I still got an extra grind and uh, I need somebody to, to use it uh-huh. <laughs> on high school. Uh uh, yeah, and it's, it was like a horror film, you know, when they scream, uh, don't go in the basement. I was like, yeah. girl, what are you doing? Yeah. Never try. <laughs> <laughs> just never try. Just, just, I mean, <laughs> so I didn't empathize with her, but this film kept making smart choices. And every smart choice, and after every smart choice, it made her a very well-defined character. I didn't get what her deal was because all I ever wanted was to be ignored and just get through it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that this film is being made now means that that yearning for connection can be via the internet, which means it can be unidirectional mm-hmm. in a way. It maybe couldn't have been any time before this time. The fact that she's not bullied, she's not victimized, she's not even teased, she is ignored, is the smartest thing about this film. I loved it. Yeah. There's so many subtle details that this film gets right. Uh, there's a scene at one point, somebody asks her about Facebook, and she's just like, ugh, Facebook. No one's on Facebook. It's so clear. Like, I have had that conversation with my kids. Like, why aren't you on Facebook, kids? And they're like, no, Facebook is for desiccated elderly. (laughs) And if I went on Facebook, all it would be is, like, messages on my wall from grandpa. Uh Um, There's a tracking shot of her walking into a pool party. And she's shot from behind, from about the center of her back up. And there is so much acting and so much detail in the way she carries her shoulders. There's not necessarily this massive conflict at the center of it. All the conflict is carried in her shoulders. It's carried on her face. It's carried in her eyes. That slouch is a character. (laughs) (laughs) I also appreciated, I I think Glenn mentioned, like, she keeps trying. And I like the fact that she's not self-defeated. She definitely carries herself, and the karaoke part especially. Like, that whole party scene where she's at the the girls' party, and it's clear the the popular girl doesn't want to invite her, but her mom does because her mom thinks her dad is hot. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they don't signpost it, but it's very clear that's what's happening. And so the whole party scene, like the pool party... You would think that in a typical movie, someone would start making fun of her because she doesn't have this rail yeah. thin body. That doesn't happen. The the awkward kid who's the, I think, the cousin of the girl at the party starts talking to her. And she's just like, I don't know what to do with this. He's being weird in the pool, whatever. Those moments just feel, they feel like they're actually 13, 14 year old kids interacting in the most awkward way possible. Uh, and then I also just really appreciated the fact that the boy that she has a crush on who has, he has like the typical slow motion walk yeah. moment. You know, the typical, she's looking at him and he's just his beautiful, sexy eye. Yeah. I think he, he wins best eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which reminded me of how so incredibly silly the superlatives in middle school and high school are it's like best eyes and like yeah. most quiet or whatever most <laughs> but quiet like, <laughs> but like the what i loved about the the kid that she has a crush on is that like he is kind of a 
And, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's he's not like this perfect boy who is going to rescue her. And he also just doesn't even become the focus of the movie, which I think is an important part. There are real parallels to be drawn between this movie and Lady Bird, mm-hmm. which was my favorite movie of last year. And one of the things that both of those films get right is just how disappointing young boys <laughs> <That's> are. <true. laughs> and, and so, like, you know, like she idealizes this ridiculous drip. Mm-hmm. And and that's very, very truthful to, to a yeah. lot of to a lot of relationships and interactions that are born out of a small sample size. And and I think one of the things that I love about that is it's the idea of him. The idea yeah. of him is so she just decides that she's fixated on him. There's a real kind of storybook quality to the way that she's essentially writing the script of his attractiveness in her own head, mm-hmm. which I think is really truthful. And one of the things we haven't talked about yet that does set this film apart from something like Lady Bird. And, and the girl in Lady Bird is significantly older. Right. But in most films about, you know, middle school, brink of high school kids, a lot of times you're getting an older right. actor mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. And this actress is around this age. This is about, she's about the right age. And I think you can tell. Like, that's what a kid, there's a wonderful BuzzFeed feature that compares uh, what people really look like at a given age to what a movie actor (laughs) playing that age looks like. And I think when you see her, the truthfulness of kind of her adolescent posture and face. And, you know, people have talked about the fact that she has acne and things like that. But the body she inhabits is in that phase of transition that is part of what's going on with girls this age. Well, you mentioned BuzzFeed. There's a great feature by Anne Helen Peterson about this movie. And there's a quote from Bo Burnham in this piece where he was casting this character and he was getting a lot of confident kids pretending to be shy. Mm -hmm. And when Elsie Fisher walked in, she acted like a shy kid pretending to be confident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he was like, bingo, that's that's what he was looking for. Mm-hmm. That is the character that, yeah. that he wanted. There's something about those shots in the middle school hallway where you see kids of all shapes and sizes at different stages of adolescence mm-hmm. all crammed together as opposed to, you know, 10 Things I Hate About You where everybody's just a model. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a 28-year-old model. Yeah. Um, this reminded me of a movie called uh, Henry Gamble's Birthday Party it's by Stephen Cohn. came out in 2016, which is entirely set at a pool party. So some of that same dread and some of those same... <laughs> Uh, some of the same. You went from pool party to dread uh, so quickly. I know, it's the, they're, they are conjoined. Um, they go hand in hand. They really do. I think watching this film, you're conditioned to wait for the big conflict, the big storm and drag. It's like, oh, that video is going to come back to haunt you, or oh, those people are going to be mean to you. And the conflict when it comes is so sharply observed and quiet. And there's a moment where she starts apologizing for a thing she has absolutely no reason to apologize for, and it is shattering. Yeah. Completely mm-hmm. shattering in an everyday way. This is why adolescence sucks. Yes. That's the worst. It is t- it's yeah. terrible. It's it, it's funny because I think for some people, Aisha, you can tell me whether you, you felt this too, but I think for a lot of us, one of the things about this film is it's almost too unpleasant to watch uh-huh. because it's so yeah. genuine. Did you, did you have that feeling at all? Oof, yeah. I mean, especially considering this current moment we're in now just in culture in general I it it felt especially dreadful to encounter like I remember being in a situation entirely like that and it like around that age I was a little bit older but it was still like ooh and 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 when someone makes you feel like that it makes you feel like you're not worthy Mm -hmm. uh, I think 
I think the movie easily could have become about that, but it doesn't. Like, no matter how down she gets and how awkward she is, she never gets defeated in a way that I think we would expect someone like her to get. Um, like, middle school is probably going to be one of the worst times of your life, but things will get better. And I think it does that in a way that doesn't feel hokey. It doesn't feel PSA. Like, it just felt really, really genuine. Yeah. I did want to talk about Josh Hamilton uh, and his performance as her dad. I'm a dad of a girl (laughs) that age, that exact time in her life. And I felt that character so, so hard. And this, he manages to capture something that you don't necessarily see that much in these things, which is he is a dad who tries hard, but doesn't usually engage quite right. And so he's kind of orbiting around her and kind of trying to interact with her and trying to interact with her, but he's never able to kind of step away from the moment enough to fully engage and interrogate her. And so they're constantly kind of orbiting around each other in this really interesting way that felt very truthful to me. Yeah, but I don't think he really could. I think one of the lessons of the film about parenting a kid like this is sometimes there is nothing you can do except you talk to them when they're willing to talk to you. You open yourself up to them and tell them how much you love them whenever they will listen to you. And you tolerate the fact that sometimes when you're trying to talk to them and connect with them, they hate it and they complain about it and they tell you that you're doing it wrong. That doesn't actually mean you're doing it wrong. You know, and I think one of the things about her dad is he's a great dad. I think that dad is a great dad. One of the things I appreciate about it is there's not a lot of because he's a dad as opposed to a mom, Mm -hmm. he can't relate to her. I think he just has trouble reaching her because kids are kids. They're just small humans. And I think what they get at with this character is, as with her, what is important is that he is consistently trying. And right. and the scene, especially there's a dinner table scene where she's on her phone. Oh, and I he love keeps that trying so much. To, and he keeps trying to talk to her. And she's like, I get one day, I get one day a week where you let me be on my phone during dinner. So let me do that. And, and, and he's, he's just trying so hard and you feel for him. And I thought that the interactions were just so on point in that way. Yeah, that scene for me was kind of like the pool party scene for a lot of young women. (laughs) (laughs) It's all your fears come to life. You know, I think it's fascinating that Bo Burnham, who became a basically overnight YouTube sensation, chose to make this film, Mm -hmm. which is about the tens of millions of people for whom precisely the thing that happened to him never happens and never will happen. It seems like he admires this idea of just sending out something and not getting anything back. It sort of unlocks him in a way that I find interesting. There's one other thing I wanted to say about this movie, which is the music Mm -hmm. in this film is is by Anna Meredith, who was like my favorite discovery at South by Southwest a couple of years ago. If you ever get a chance to see her perform live, she is spectacular. And her music has this very just roiling, stormy quality where it builds and builds and then pounds and pounds. It's a very interesting juxtaposition between this very dramatic music and the sometimes mundane, everyday emotions on the screen. Mm-hmm. It's very effective. We we cannot not talk about the montage with Enya. The, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Which was, I just think, so perfect. And it got that song 
which is called Orinoco Flow, uh-huh. I learned yeah. after Googling, but I just know it as the Sail Away, Sail Away song <laughs> yeah. from the Crystal Light commercials in the 90s. Uh-huh, yeah. And I think it's used really effectively because, you know, when you think about that song in Enya, it's usually supposed to be soothing and like uh, just contemplative in a way. And if I remember correctly, it's set against a montage of the Kayla character, like just scrolling through Facebook. And mm-hmm. it, 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 I think the juxtaposition of that with the glut of social media and how that can make you feel, I think is just perfect. And yeah. also that song is so great. Yeah. All right. Well, tell us what you think uh, of eighth grade, Bo Burnham's masterpiece of awkwardness and eighth gradiness. <laughs> Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH. Tweet us at PCHH. When we come back, it will be time to talk about our favorite topic, which is what is making us happy this week. So come right back. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Starbucks. Introducing new Starbucks Plus Coffee K-Cup Pods. The coffee that keeps up with you. With twice the caffeine compared to one pod of Starbucks K-Cup Coffee, it's an extra boost to help you make the most of your day. Available in Starbucks Blonde, Medium, and Dark Roast K-Cup Pods for the rich taste you love. Look for new Starbucks Plus Coffee where you buy groceries. Support for this podcast and the following message come from K-12, providing full-time public school at home for students in grades K-12. through Students are taught online by state-certified teachers. High school students receive college and career planning to help chart a course for success after graduation. Learn more at k12.com slash works. Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. It's time for our favorite segment of this week and every week, what is making us happy this week? Stephen Thompson, what is making you happy this week, buddy? A few weeks ago, I talked about the songs of the summer and had everybody kind of audition their picks for what they think is the song of the summer. And I was very, very happy with my choice. I continue to stand by it, but I have another one. A song from this year by the band Churches, a wonderful Scottish synth pop band with a song called Graffiti. Very Thompsonian summer pop, I'll tell you right now. Yeah, it's a little languid, but yeah, Yeah. I I can get behind it. It's Thompsonian. (laughs) It is, I think, a perfect mix of of, of everything you want in a summer song. It's got a little nostalgia. It's got a little little bit of an ache to it. And it has... (laughs) That's what you want in a summer song. (laughs) But it it is also set against this absolutely unimpeachable hook and a wonderful vocal from Lauren Mayberry, who is a treasure. Uh, I love this band. Churches, if you're looking for them on, on Google or whatever, it's churches with a V, uh, as as one would spell churches. Where the U would be. Where the U would be, yeah. <laughs> I can just imagine people, are like, where do you put the V? Uh, but anyway, that's... Silent V at the end. There's a, there's a silent V. Anyway, that's Graffiti by the band Churches, uh, a late-breaking song of the summer. Awesome. Thank you very much, Stephen Thompson. Glenn Weldon, what is making you happy this week? Jeffrey Self is a very funny actor and writer. Uh, He writes YA novels. I think one was called Drag Teen. Uh, Mm -hmm. Fun stuff. A video dropped this week of him finding out that the woman he idolizes, the icon he idolizes, Diane Keaton, is going to be signing bottles of wine in Las Vegas. (laughs) So he decides to schlep from L.A. to Vegas to see her. Uh, And he takes along his friend, the filmmaker Jake Wilson, and they basically, that's that's like a 12-minute video of them 
on this odyssey. But it's bookended kind of by uh, some thoughts from, it turns out, pretty much all of gay Twitter, talking head interviews with everybody I know from gay Twitter, talking about why gay men have this thing with certain icons, uh, women. And as they are talking, you see their name, and then you see the woman they idolize. And to a man, I was like, yep. Makes sense. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Called it. Uh, But this video is so much fun. It's just a delight. Uh, It it doesn't have a name or anything. It's just go, just uh, we'll link to it in the show notes, but go Jeffrey Self, Diane Keaton. It's a blast. Thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. Aisha Harris, what is making you happy this week? So Sierra is a name you don't hear too much anymore these days, unless you really, really follow her closely. But I feel like she's had this staying power in a way. Her contemporaries, whether it's the Carrie Hilsons of the world, the Brooke Valentines of like the early aughts who were, you know, R&B slash hip hop related singers who could dance really well and had like these great great hooks, especially like Southern style hooks. She recently released a new song called Level Up. And that video as well is amazing. The song is just super anthemy. It's about doing better for yourself and leveling up in your life and leaving whoever did you wrong in the past behind. And the video actually is directed by and features choreography by the New Zealand dancer Paris Goebel, and it features her and the Request dance crew. You've probably seen them in the a bunch of like Justin Bieber videos, the Sorry video in particular, and I just love the dancing style, and I just love the song. Three, two, one. Level up, 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 level up. All this on me so yummy, all this sauce so yummy. No, you want this yummy, yummy all in your tummy. I appreciate Sierra. Like every few years, she'll like drop back in again and she'll drop a really hot track. And when she does, it's just, it's magic. I love it. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you very much, Aisha Harris. So what is making me happy this week? I'm going to refer you to a Twitter thread. And it is from one of my favorite people on Twitter. She is Blair Braverman. She has written a book in the past about being a dog musher. She is uh, up in the sort of the northern Midwest where Stephen and I are from. And she she has sled dogs. Every once in a while, somebody asks her, what happens if you raise sled dogs and one of them just doesn't want to be a sled dog, doesn't pull? And the answer is they occasionally go off and become pets. And so there was a thread this week where she talked about a dog named Glory who uh, did not want to be a sled dog, just didn't want to pull, <laughs> thought it was boring. The, um, the Ferdinand of sled the dogs. Ferdinand <laughs> of sled dogs. Didn't want to be a sled dog and went off to live actually with Blair's parents in the Pacific Northwest. And so she put together a thread, which she said was postcards from the other dogs. So what it was was it would be little pictures of other dogs that she has accompanied by a tweet that would be her translation of their good thoughts for Glory as she went off to the Pacific Northwest. They they start to get very teary close to the end. And there's one that's from the dog that is her dad. And it talks about how her her dad is blind, but they always could communicate and how he sends this note about howling at the moon and thinking of her and it is the most tear-jerking, amazing <laughs> Twitter thread. You are you are as on brand as I am today. <laughs> <laughs> About sled dogs, you should follow Blair. She's at Blair Braverman. Uh, you should follow her if you're looking for this thread. It is from Thursday, July 26th. 
And uh, you should find that thread because it's amazing. And it's under the hashtag Glory Goes West. You can also find nice. it. Um, so look that up. Cry your little eyes out. And, uh, and that is what is making me happy this week. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our show. You can find all of us on Twitter. You can find me at Linda Holmes. You can find Stephen at I Dislike Stephen. You can find Glenn at G.H. Weldon. And you can find Aisha at Crafting My Style. You can find our producer, Jessica Reedy, at Jessica underscore Reedy. Our producer, Vincent Acovino at V. Acovino. And our producer, Emeritus and Music Director, Mike Katzeff at Mike Katzeff. Mike's band, Hello Come In, provides the in and out music you are bobbing your head to right now. Thanks to all of you for being here. Thank Thank you. you. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you have a second and you're so inclined, if you go over to Apple Podcasts and you leave us a positive review, that will help other people find the show. It will help our quest for world domination. So we will really very much appreciate it. We will see you all right back here next week. Sam Sanders here. This week on my show, D.L. Hughley. You ever notice how excited white people are when they find they got a little black? Oh, I have, I'm have. i 3% black. But you wouldn't but, take 75%, <laughs> would you? Right. No, you're not going to report that to Equifax, are you? <laughs> One of the original kings of comedy. This week on It's Been a Minute from NPR.